It's time to put down the pen and paper and retire those spreadsheets. It's time to upgrade with Tree Plotter Jobs, a straightforward estimating, scheduling, and work order software built for small and mid-sized tree care companies. Tree Plotter Jobs is based on maps. Think Google Maps with all of the information you need connected to a real world location. You can impress potential clients with interactive maps in your estimates and ensure your crews always know exactly where and what to work on. A job subscription is only $95 a month and supports unlimited users. So to learn more about jobs, go to planetgeo.com. That's P-L-A-N-I-T-G-E-O.com. You can also test it out for yourself with a free two-month trial. Just enter the promo code JOBS60 at checkout. Yeah, so my name is Jeff Inman. I work for True Timber Arborist based out of Richmond, Virginia. Uh, we've been a TCIA accredited company since 2014, I believe. I've been with them since 2019. So my role there is the risk manager, uh, which at other companies would be called the safety and training coordinator. We, and we undoubtedly will get to this later, but uh, the word safe uh, doesn't vibe super well with the way we look at tree work. Uh, so we adopted risk management over safety about a year and a half ago. Uh, so then the other hat I wear is the academy director, which is largely our, essentially a, a working apprenticeship program that's designed to bring in people with no experience and uh, spit them out three and a half years later as fully capable, competent, amazing climbing arborists. I mean, that's the professional side, the personal side. I'm a husband to my lovely wife, Kelsey. Uh, we've been married for nine years uh, next month. Uh, we've got a three-year-old son, Cedar, and a daughter, Lucille, who just turned one on Sunday. So it's super fun in our household right now. But yeah, I've been in the tree care industry since 2011 after graduating Virginia Tech and have uh, loved every second of being in this industry uh, for now going on 11 years. Awesome. Thank you. And well, congrats to you for at least a couple milestones in your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. Um, so, you know, you kind of brought it up, but you graduated and you went into the industry. Was that always your, your initial plan to end up in the tree care industry? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, it, uh, I had a, I don't know if you've seen the movie Tommy Boy, uh, but there's a quote in Tommy Boy. Of, well, a lot of people go to college for seven years. Yeah, they're called doctors. Well, not everybody. Um, so I graduated high school and uh, actually pursued an automotive career. I went to community college in the Chrysler automotive program. So learning how to work on automobiles, specifically Chrysler Dodge Jeep, and got my associates in applied science doing that. And what I learned in that process is I don't want to do this. <laughs> uh, I, While I've always loved tinkering with things and turning wrenches and playing with cars and still very much do, uh, it's, not, it's not what I wanted to do like full-time. I've always loved being outside, growing up playing sports, and then uh, my mom's side of the family is from West Virginia, so we spent a bunch of time in the mountains. My grandfather was a wood turner, so we spent a bunch of time going and finding really neat pieces of wood that he could then turn into really beautiful things. Uh, so I've been around trees in a very intimate and different kind of a way from 
since I was a little kid. But it wasn't until I got into college where I, it was really my senior year, or I guess my senior year, my super duper senior year, um, that uh, I, I went through an urban, urban forestry class because it was a required class in order to graduate and discovered arboriculture and then learned that I could climb trees. And up to that point, I was an avid rock climber. Like the moment I found rock climbing, I just fell in love with that movement, being at height, all that stuff. But I always knew that, like I couldn't make a living out of being a pro rock climber. While you could have a lot of fun, there's no way in the world you could make a living out, or at least I didn't think I could. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I learned that I could climb trees and I was like, whoa, I mean, I have this, I've been going through this natural resources program at, uh, at Virginia Tech have a minor in forestry. So, you know, at least understand biology and and kind of how trees work and how trees interact inside the urban environment as much as a college kid can understand that. But then I learned that I could climb trees and have that be my profession. I was like, holy cow, that's, that's rad. Like that's, that's, that sounds like what I want to do. It's kind of a bummer. It took me seven years in school to figure that out, but you know, thank the Lord I found it because that's, that's a really, neat thing that people get to do every day no and i think that's such a like a, a weird turn of events for you right to oh yeah <laughs> i i mean you know i probably went to college thinking the exact same thing uh where it's like oh i'm definitely gonna do this and then you make mm-hmm. it about six months in you're like i'm definitely not gonna do this right yeah i think it's really yeah. easy to fall into that trap habit whatever you want to whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. right um oh big time where you spend, what's it called? It's uh, it's called like the sunken cost fallacy, right? So you mm-hmm. spend, you spend three years doing one thing, so you kind of think you have to continue right. doing that same thing because you already spent that time at the beginning. Yeah, no, I mean that's a, that's I think uh, you know now, you know, all these years out of college, not that I'm old by any stretch of the imagination, but the uh, having been out of school now for uh, eleven years or whatever, it's it's interesting to interact with the generation, the young youngest generation we have uh, at True Timber even, and just kind of seeing how the dynamics are, are very are very different in terms of like their perception versus my perception when I got out of high school. And it's actually really neat to see how, uh, how kind of cued in they are to that, maybe this traditional tract of college isn't necessarily for everyone. Like not to say that it's bad by any stretch of the imagination, but like at least how I grew up in inside the school system, it was like very much like you go to high school, you go to college, you get a degree, you get a job, and you go buy a house, and you have family, you have kids, or like that whole like track when it's it may I, I think we've we've proven as a society that that do, that model doesn't work for everyone and that it's a serious opportunity for skills-based occupations to really kind of capitalize on it in a way of like offer and really inform this youngest generation that like, no, well, there is another way. I mean, that is a way. That's a good thing to know that that is an option, but there actually is another way where you can have a profession that provides for you and your family. And, you know, it's, you're never going to get rich doing it, but you're going to be able to provide and you're going to, but you're going to be fulfilled in a completely different way. 
no matter what the trade, I mean, like I'm nutty about what we do. Uh, but I do know that there, you know, I've got friends in different, completely different industries that are trade-based and are fulfilled the same way I'm fulfilled. And they just didn't have all the college debt that I accrued over, uh, over my years. So, yeah, no, I agree. And I think even just for my own example, my sister is six years younger than I am. Uh, I graduated college in 2018 and the same thing as you, they were told, you know, I was told college, you, then you get your four-year degree and then the whole world of possibility gets open to you. My sister, right. when she was in high school, you know, they're telling them like, not all of you guys need to go to college. I was like, where was this when I was there? Right. Like right, right. nobody, it's the same teachers. I know they're the same teachers, the yeah. same people, the same curriculum, but the mindset's really rapidly changed. I think about yeah. how people look at, I guess we'll call it career development. Right. Yeah. 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 And continuing off of that, um, part of the reason I was able to get in contact with you was through Kim Bush, who you had shared mm -hmm. um, a writing that you had done about basically what tree work was and who it's for. And I guess my question for you is, what kind of person do you actually envision getting into, into tree care as a whole? Because um, it's kind of a hard sell if you get you know, maybe it's somebody who's afraid of heights, somebody who's not a big fan of manual labor. It's a really, it's a really hard sell. Yeah. But to that, and the point I made to Kim, uh, to that very point is maybe that's okay. Like maybe the fact that people are, are afraid of heights and afraid of manual labor is okay, that they don't wind up being harborists. Uh, so the, the little kind of, piece I wrote was almost like, almost like a like mini poem in a way, but it kind of, at least for how I feel about the industry uh, and, and my experience in the career and, and my career is that I don't feel like you necessarily find tree work. I feel like tree work finds you like in this, you know, beautiful poetic way, like the trees call you into this industry because it is hard. Like it's, no part of this is easy. Uh, like going out and slinging sawdust every day, whether you're on the ground all the time or you're the one that's up in the tree, uh, it's it's not easy. And for uh, those of us that have been called into this, uh, it's once we get the sawdust in our hair, you can't, we can't shake it out. Like it's as as hard as I've kind of tried over the years to like even dabble and, and look in different avenues to maybe pursue things that were tree related, but maybe not specific to arboriculture. I started walking down the road, like, well, no, but then you don't get to climb these trees and you don't get to like see these views and you don't get to interact with these people and have these really cool experiences. And yeah, it's hard. Uh, and you sweat a lot and you, you know, we're in springtime. So poison ivy is coming out it's, you know, all the bees and hornets and stuff are coming out too. And it's, you know, it's not a, it's not for everybody. And I think that's the realization I came to as well as our company came to is that why, why try to like create a message that tries to cater to everyone when we're really specifically looking for the people that lean into those experiences, the ones that want to be outside and not just on the days when it's beautiful weather, bright blue skies. And, you know, it's not a cloud in the sky. It's, you know, be outside still when it's raining, when it's snowing, when the wind is howling. You want to be up in the top of the trees and feel what these trees are feeling. 
when they're getting hit with 40 mile an hour gusts of wind, right? Like that sounds ludicrous to a lot of people, even standing on the ground to be like 40 mile an hour winds. I don't want to be outside for that. Whereas I'm like, I want to be in a tree for that. I want to feel what that tree feels. Cause I stare up and look at these things and watch them move around. And, you know, it's, it's how it's part of how they grow and why they grow the way that they do. They develop this reaction wood to pack on mass and different parts of their branches to account for the different weather that they grow into, right? They grow towards the light or uh, towards the water, their, their root system, you know, grows in a certain way, or they're subjected to winds from one particular direction. So they pack on this map. Like that's so fascinating to me. <laughs> it's so, it's so wild to me. And, uh, and I think it's, it's less of a, it, I guess to answer your question, it's more like that's, I feel like who we're trying to find as an industry or the people that are like so curious initially about that of like, I was like, I meet plenty of people that don't do tree work at all that get me to start talking about trees and what I do. And I just watch their eyes glaze over because they're like, there's no way in hell I would do what you're doing. And you're over here just like the most stoked person in the room. I just, it doesn't compute. But every once in a while, I'll run into somebody who's just like, well, can you, that's actually kind of interesting. Can you like flesh that out a little bit more? And even if it's like the concepts are like way over their head, that seeing that passion and feel like then whether they wind up in tree work or not helps them also know that like, yeah, this thing that we do called work that eats up so much of our time, it, you need to be passionate about it. You need to find at least some level of joy in what you're doing. And I think that's specifically how I'm trying to cater my role in our marketing and recruiting efforts as a company is to try to like, yeah, we have awesome benefits. Yeah. I mean, we've got, we've got all this really cool. So we've got an awesome location. We've got, you know, people that are dedicated to help other people learn, but like that all kind of doesn't mean anything if the person that's coming doesn't have a desire to go put themselves in these situations. So being real and upfront is, is really kind of what I was talking with Kim about is having that intentionality on the front end of like, I, I don't, I don't want to like look at it as like not to waste our time, but I but to be efficient with our time when we're interacting with people of like, let's call this what it is. It's really hard work. Sometimes the weather sucks and we've got to go out and do it anyway. Uh, we, you know, climb really high off the ground, depending on where you're at in, in the world. Like maybe you're only climbing trees that are like 40 feet tall, but here in Richmond, we've got trees that are 150 feet tall. Like, I mean, it's, and you might be in a 40 footer on one day and 150 footer on the next day. Like it's the variation, the fact that you're interacting with other humans that own these properties, right? The whole client care, the, the customer service side of it, right? That's its own challenge. You just have to be wired to be excited to put yourself in these kind of adverse situations. And I think that's kind of where I'm, I guess I've learned to try to operate out of is like, let's find those people. Let's, let's go try to track those people down, put this awesome, or what we perceive it as, a, as an awesome profession in front of their face and see if they, see if they bite it, see if, see if it hooks them. Yeah, that's all. That's all really well said, and you, you had started to touch on it a little bit. Um, but 
at your company, what does it look like for recruiting those kind of people? How do you, how do you get the, the sell on them really to get them into the industry? Is it mostly word of mouth? Is it you find them in kind of situations where you are like rock climbing gyms and stuff like that? Or, I mean, really, what does that look like? It, uh, it is a challenging market right now. I mean, I think everybody in every industry is, is battling that. It, you know, finding help is hard. And it's part of, I guess, why I, I kind of look at it this way of if we're going to if we're going to focus our recruiting efforts in a particular direction inside of a challenging market, let's do it that way. So it still involves like traditional avenues, right, of like posting stuff on Indeed and putting stuff out on social media, trying to show up to career fairs and stuff like that. Uh, but at the same time trying to be intentional with conversations we have. So like we just had our, our uh, chapter competition this weekend and it wasn't a, like, we're going to show up and go and try to like cold call and headhunt people to try to get them to come work at church. It was more of, let's go have some fun. Like, let's go do the thing we know how to do climb trees and have a blast climbing trees and show everybody around us how much we love doing this and hope that putting that type of energy out then attracts people like a magnet, right? So like we had seven competitors competing and then we had probably half of our company come down just to either volunteer or help root us on, right? The amount of, so our, I'm wearing a red shirt or come for those of y'all that aren't going to see the video uh we call ourselves the red shirts so like we just had this army of red shirts which i also understand sounds very uh british and uh <laughs> in, like we're invading oh the, the red shirts are coming but that's that's more of what it is is like trying to take and uh, like our our approach for like growing clients is the same way of like this organic kind of word of mouth thing like we want our clients to feel comfortable and confident in who's coming so we want our people to share their experience with their friends, their family, other people they meet at these different industry events or whatever, to just let it grow organic, right? And letting it grow organically, while that's oftentimes takes longer and in a lot of ways is harder, winds up being better in the long run because we're, we're striving to get the people that, that want to be there, right? And it's not, I mean, it's, We'll see how it works, like in terms of like a long-term deal, but it it hasn't really, it hasn't really steered us wrong, I guess, up to this point. Our our whole approach of trying to to be good natured to one another, to our community, to the natural world, um, trying to make everybody's experiences the best that it possibly can be, but also be real with them and understand kind of where they're at, has has proven to be. I mean, quite effective, but we've got 44 employees, 30 of them are out slinging sawdust every day. So it's, um, and we don't do any type of plant healthcare, uh, like liquid services either. So like in my experience in this industry, that's, that's already a huge win for the type of culture we have, which is heavily climbing based. Like if I, that's kind of how I talk about it is if you want to climb trees and be in Virginia, which in my, in my probably biased opinion is one of the best places to climb trees in the entire world. Uh, 
this is the place to come and do it. And it might sound a little arrogant, but that's how I feel about it. And, and trying to, again, just lean into that. Like, that's who, that's who we want. That's who we want to be with us as well, to kind of share in this passion of climbing and caring for these giant organisms that inhabit our, uh, our little city. So I don't know if that really like answers your question. No, no, it does. <laughs> and you, you bring up the good point too of, of company culture, right? That people are now choosing places to work based more. I wouldn't say more, but they're not solely basing it off of pay anymore. Mm -hmm. It's not just about how much money they can get, but people want to be able to spend time with their family and their friends. And, you know, like you said, when you were all at the, you know, the climbing competition, either competing or volunteering, that's also a big, big draw too, right? Because that mm -hmm. shows that your company has the actions to back up the, the words because mm -hmm. an, an indeed post is really easy to say, of course, you know, we're the, we're the best company in the world. And of course, if you don't say that on indeed, you're going to have your own set of hiring <laughs> issues to begin with. But, yeah. you know, I, I think going out and, and having actions that coincide with whether it's your, your company values, your company culture, mission, whatever you really want to call it is actually really a lot more appealing now in this hiring market than anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, and that's kind of also the realization I feel like we've come to as a company is like, you obviously have to post all the the benefits and, and things so that way people are informed, right? So they have all that information available as they're trying to make a decision, especially, well, I shouldn't say especially as a family, even as an individual, you want to know kind of what's available. Uh, but when everybody has all that stuff on there, even though I don't feel like everybody has the same type of benefits we do um when you when you just log on to indeed or you hop on facebook or whatever and you you just see all these job postings and they all look similar enough it's like how how in the world am i supposed to like do i just you know just flip a coin and or, you know flip the digital rolodex and see which one pops up and and maybe that's cool like that's not how i would go about it personally it's more of like i tap into the people i know and and try to get recommendations. So the culture side of it, like like you're saying, is is huge. Like that's a that's our uh, owner Scott Turner, you know, in a lot of ways refers to us as an employee care company that happens to be awesome at tree work. Um, like we're like, you know, I'm on the leadership team for our company, um, and a lot of what we like we have weekly meetings, and a lot of what we talk about every single week is things that have nothing to do with tree work, but everything to do with our employees and how to make this a better experience for them. Right. And to be a part of a company that's, I mean, really like less than 50 people to have that kind of approach is one, it's a gift, but it's two really inspiring to see that like you can do it. Like you just have to care about people. And it's also that simple. Just be good. Just care about people, and everything else seems to just fall in line. There's other stuff, other boxes you got to check, and all that kind of stuff. But it's it's actually pretty simple. If your whole ethos is just centered around just being good, it seems to all work out. Yeah, and I mean, my approach to applying for a job was much different than your approach. 
Um, I remember hitting like apply to everything that had marketing in the name when I was first coming out, but it was also a different job market. I think right. the job market now is, is actually favors the employees versus the employers. Oh, and, yeah. and, you know, you guys are now competing with every other, uh, what's like outdoor industry under the sun mm -hmm. already to begin with, but then also competing with opportunities now from uh, jobs that are remote or you were, you know, yeah. yes yeah remote work and all this other kind of stuff where all of a sudden it's a lot more profitable for somebody who lives in west virginia or you know mm -hmm. that kind of area to have a remote job out of california um right. it's very different it's a very different thing so you know and i think even us at tca now as we're hiring people for new positions we have to re rely heavily on our company culture um, mm -hmm. the beliefs and, you know, really the additional value that you bring to the table, whether it's time, uh, I would non-financial compensation. So maybe it's, you know, events or, you know, days off, flexible hours, really kind of whatever it is. And one of the things I was looking on, um, your website was at is for your, I guess we'll call it basically the, the journey worker program that your company mm -hmm. has the unofficial one, I, I guess, but, um, mm -hmm it's just a list of extremely valuable certifications that these people can receive over their time of working in that program. So why are certifications like that important on an individual level? Because they, they do cost the company something on the back end, but as, um, as an employee, they'll cost, they'll cost you nothing but your time. So why is something like that really important for their own development? So I, I talk about it in terms of like building a house. <clears throat> so, you, you know, to build a house or any type of building, most important part is the foundation. Having that strong foundation then allows you to basically build whatever the heck you want to on top of it. So we had the way we use certifications inside of the academy is the essentially the testing, like the written test portion for a lot of these various skill sets. So um, TCIA's uh, academy products and then ISA's certifications, right? Provide an incredible value and knowledge set for arborists. Uh, like there's been a lot of time, research, effort put into that stuff. Where they're lacking is in the in the demonstration of the practical skills, right? So, in most of these things, well, even in the ISA, but I was going to say specifically with a lot of the TCIA stuff is like the employer has to sign off on whatever program it is, or you go through a, like a training, like a, when I met Kim, I was doing an aerial rescue training uh, for TCI. So like could sign, potentially sign off people at that training saying that they've been through X, Y, Z, but there's, it's difficult to, I guess, uh, capture like where people's skill set is inside of that, right? They check the yeah. competencies, but like how, how You're serious right. are, yeah, How theoretical the versus the, the actual physical training. Right. Like, you know, you can do it in theory, but right. can you do it every time? Can, yeah. you, can, you, rep, can you replicate this skill set every single time? So what we use, so, so where we felt like uh, certain, like TCI and ISA products were lacking in, in certain practical applications, we created our own. Uh, so our in-house stuff that's all aimed at teaching somebody what they're doing, how they're doing it. And then we use these tests to reinforce why we're doing it. So 
all these certifications that they earn are the final step in each part of their professional development growth that allow them basically to advance to the next thing. So they're, they take that test, whether it's the groundwork or specialist or now it's the fundamentals of groundwork, um, or they take their aerial lift specialist, you know, all the, all these things are basically like stories that they're building on top of the foundation. So part of my job is when somebody is working on a certain certification, I get called out in the field to administer a practical test. So say they're felling a tree, they've got to fell a tree in a certain amount of time and land it in the spot that they want to land it without any deviation and, and not, right? We have this testing criteria for the practical test. And if they pass the practical test and they come back with me at the end of the day and take a written test, if they pass that written test then they get signed off for that certification. So it gives them one, the confidence that they can perform that task under pressure even though I'm not an, I don't feel like I'm an intimidated person, but like still just having eyes on you while you're trying to take a test alters your brain chemistry a little bit. Uh, so they, they, it proves that they can take that test and replicate it even under duress. Then it gives them the confidence to pass the, the written tests so that they, it reinforces that they know why they know how to do the things that they do. So that way as they, and then it prepares them for their next certification that they're working on because it directly helps, the last certification they just had directly helps with their next certification. So it, it, it continues to like lay this framework to get them to where really a point where they could, even though we wouldn't, we don't particularly want this, but we're also real with the fact that at the end of three and a half years, if they've graduated from our academy, they could go anywhere in the world and be a highly productive climbing arborist, crew leader, um, you know, whatever, because they, they know those three things. They know what they're doing, they know how to do it, and they know why they're doing it. So all those certifications are used as a tool to, to really reinforce why they're doing it. And then their pay rate is directly tied to those certifications. So it also levels the playing field in that way where it doesn't matter what you look like, what you identify as, like you can come in and everybody's buying, playing by the same rules. And that's all mapped out for them. Like in our safety and training manual, they can flip to the back of it and see like, oh, this is what it takes to be that. Like there's no smoke and mirrors. There's nothing hidden. It's all laid out in front of them. And it, it's all, again, aimed at like trying to make them, or not make them, but help give them a path to foster their growth to be the best possible arborists that they want to be. Yeah. I mean, the whole program is just very well thought out. I was going to ask, what's the incentive for them to continue? And it's just, it's, it's you know, it's an unofficial journey workers program, basically, at mm -hmm. this point, just, you know, electricians pull the same thing and carpenters and everything else. One of the things I want to ask, though, is it hard to get people into that program? Because I feel like even just a few years ago when I started at TCIA, it feels a little misleading when it's like, oh, we're going to try to pick up people who don't want to go to college because maybe they don't enjoy 
learning. And I feel that's misleading because, uh, you know, field arborist and arborist alike, you're using a lot more applied sciences and mathematics mm -hmm. than, you know, people who go out and get college degrees in these certain things. So I don't want to say it was like a, a stigma or a, a marketing issue or whatever it was, mm -hmm. but I, as the approach changed over the last couple of years of trying to figure out like, how do you, how do you promote this as an alternative to um, like college learning and all that other kind of stuff? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. Um, how do you get people to buy in? I think is essentially what um, kind of what you're asking. Yeah. Um, it, for me, it's a uh, like with college, we had to pay to go and learn this thing that we were told was important to learn. And it's again, like, this is not me poo-pooing on organized education in that way. But like that's, when you boil it down to the nuts and bolts of it, we are paying for an experience where they teach us information that we're told is important to learn, right? So we then take that information and then go out into the real world and realize that like, while I know like in, you know, tree biology, while I know these specific things these specific types of trees shouldn't be growing here. We're just going to keep letting them grow there because maybe that helps us make money, right? There's a business side of like all this knowledge or whereas with, um, whereas with kind of this, I feel, and that maybe that's not relevant at all, but <laughs> um, with the Academy, it's a, like you're getting paid to be like, you're a full-time employee. So you're getting paid to be there. You're getting all the benefits of being an employee. And at the very same time, you're, you're earning all these certifications and basically helping complete this puzzle of becoming a, a professional inside this industry. Like that's that I, I feel like that's where I've had, I guess, some level of success in, in interacting with people about what we do is that it's it's not school like you you're not just showing up and going to school maybe it'll turn into that one day we'll see like if that's kind of the route that we go as a company then we're going to have to figure that out but how it is right now is everybody that's going through our academy is a full-time employee so they're able to you know make full-time wages so they can pay their bills and go buy houses and have families and have babies and support, you know, them, themselves in that way. So they can go the traditional route, right. That we've been told since we were little kids to, to kind of do those things whilst getting paid and accruing these certifications that are recognized as an industry. Yeah. You're not going to come out of it with a four-year degree, but what we're learning as an industry, that's not always the most relevant thing to like, if you're passionate about going to climb the trees you don't necessarily have to have a four-year degree, especially, I mean, like we've got people with four-year degrees in like theater arts. It's awesome because they understand like stage design and stuff. They understand the rigging of it, but they don't understand, like we have to teach them the biology of trees and have to teach them the, like the difference between these, these species and why this one interacts this way and why this one grows in this particular spot. Right. But that's all captured in these other places where, you can provide them the knowledge, provide them the coaching, kind of help them still get to the same point. But instead of paying a bunch of money 
to receive an education, they get paid all this money to receive this education. So I guess it's still kind of the same thing. Like we're we're telling them information that we think they need to know and we think that uh, is important, but it's also recognized as an industry. It's like, okay, well, this, this is how you need to do this. And like, these are the ANSI standards. And this is why we always put two hands on a chainsaw, right? Like it's been all this data shit, right? So it's, it's kind of in a way winding up at the same place. It's just the piece of paper you get from graduating one sent from an accredited university and one is, you know, printed off our printer. <laughs> well, and also, like you said, too, one of them, you have a net positive and the other one, there's a, a net negative. Yeah, it takes a while to dig out of that, that net negative. Yeah, that student loans, depending on the state you're in. Uh, right. you know, any, anybody in New Hampshire, you have the highest in-state tuition. So, you know, net positives would always be nice. But right. um, it also feels to, right, when you're trying to sell this to, we'll say people maybe just straight out of high school or people new to the industry, it's gotta be a little, a little daunting for them. Right. Um, Cause just, we'll just talk tree care, but tree care as a whole, isn't really talked about as a career, at least when I was mm-hmm. in high school and mm-hmm. shortly afterwards, it was never really mentioned as a career it was right. a, a job. Um, and I feel like a lot of, a lot of kids, you know, at 18, it's a, big decision to then decide that they'd want to go out and do full-time work and start early, or you can push it off another four years and get that mm-hmm. kind of um, um, safety net, I guess is what you'd call it. I I think part of the stigma is probably that people don't consider this a career outside of the industry uh, mm-hmm. because they haven't been exposed to it in the proper ways. So how are, how are some ways that we can expose the younger generations and the generations uh, coming up into tree care as a career? Uh, so a couple of ways. And I mean, the pandemic actually made for a really interesting way to expose the world to the industry in a way that I don't think any, any of us really fully maybe even realized or, or certainly weren't prepared for where like early pandemic, we're still out there working. So just let alone like, not being a remote employee or like having a remote or a a career that allows remote possibilities, but being considered an essential, essential employee that we based, not that our lives didn't change during the pandemic, but like our work only changed a little bit. Like we were still able to go out and do work. So that was like a immediately like, Oh, well, this is an awesome profession because we can go do work still. (laughs) Like, Trees like storms come, trees need to be taken off houses. We know how to do that. Like big hazardous dead wood, you know, we we can do all that, like and you know, do all the essential work. But then what we also found was that with people having to stay home, when we would show up on a job site, we'd get all set up and finish our, our safety briefing and start getting lines set and start climbing into trees. It felt like every day like we would have an audience, like people would come out of their houses and pitch chairs and watch us work because it's like, well, they're done being on Zoom calls. They're done watching TV. Like their kids are going nuts in the house. Like, you know, let's go watch these people make a lot of noise with chainsaws and chippers and just swing around on ropes and trees, right? And have a blast doing it. So that was like, that was a way that I, I certainly wasn't, ready for in a way other than just 
being a competition climber for so long, just, it was like, oh man, this is great comp training. Like it's just all these random people just watching us climb trees all the time. This is great. But it also exposed like what professional climbing arboriculture looks like to our community. And I, and I know that happened across, really it had to have happened across the world uh, where people are just stuck inside. And those of us that got to go outside for a living, uh, like people were way more in tune to what we were doing, which also meant they were in tune to what was happening in their yards and then brought more of us over to their properties to care for it, which then continued to expose this other career path, uh, which, you know, like I know we had a, we have this, uh, this 14 year old uh, kid, Michael, who is a uh, like family friend of one of our employees, but like is so psyched on tree work. He's just too young to do tree work. I don't know how he got into it other than I feel like he's watched our employee climb trees and he watched all this stuff happening during the pandemic. And he's already got the bug and he's 14, he's just too young. The other way is like, we try to be as community oriented as possible since, you know, we're only located in Richmond, uh, but we want to be plugged in as much as possible. So we show up to, you know, any community event we can, like, especially if it's outdoor recreation themed, uh, you're always going to find true timber people there. But we specifically been uh, trying to participate in more high school career fairs and, and our, our facility, um, like we call Camp True Timber. Uh, we've got two log cabins. One of those log cabins has trees in it that are like structural support beams for the cabin, but we use them to climb and do training with. So we've brought in like inner city high schools into our, our onto Camp True Timber and had them climb around on our trees inside to show them also that there is this other, this other thing. There's this other way to have a career and you can, you know, stay in Richmond and you never know it'll, you may wind up on the other side of the world climbing trees. Um, and then lastly, like something I've been doing for, it's been quite, quite a bit more informal, uh, but when I like train for competitions and, and go like rep climbing, I kind of try to climb specifically in more populated parks in a way. And, and if I can get further into the, the inner city, the better. For that same reason of it's just like, okay, what's this, what's this dude doing over here? He's like got his helmet on and he's got a whole bunch of bags full of stuff. And then, oh man, he just pulled something out of his bag and it's, it's got a lot of jingle jangle on it. Like, dang, he just threw that little ball like way up in the top of that tree. And they start seeing me climbing around and the amount of conversations I've had with teenagers and stuff about like what it is I do. Now, I don't know if it, if that's actually going to, like I haven't seen, I guess, the, the fruits of that um, in my career, but at least it's exposing this younger generation to this option that like, in these specific examples, they had absolutely no idea that you could go climb trees and get paid to do it. Like, I've had some instances where people have tried to steal gear and like, that's, you know, that's kind of the, mm. a bit of a, a bit of a risk, but at the same time, like the, right, that desire, that effort is still there. One, like on a selfish side, I'm trying to be as best as I can for competitions and stuff like that. But also it's, it's trying to expose 
just the community to like, there is this thing that you can do. And as long as there are trees around, you have a job and it's not a crappy job. And it's not a poor paying job. It's like, it's like, it's a good job. It's kind of, again, trying to like go in this kind of a different avenue of really just trying to put arboriculture in front of people. They just try to kind of get in front of, of them and be like, look, it doesn't have to be the, the same thing that we've always been told it has to be like we're all stoked on this so why don't you come join us and like be stoked on it with us and if it's not with us like at least you know that this thing is out there so maybe you know as you get older and have a job like you know what this thing is so maybe you'll pull in like professional arborists to come do work at your house or something so it's just kind of like grander it's kind of like zooming out at the big picture it's really easy to keep the blinders on and look like look right in front of you because you need this, you need people. And I don't want to gloss over that, but like, I'm trying to like kind of zoom out and look at this, a lot, and our company is as well, like look at this on a larger scale. Of like how can we just put proper arboriculture and really just like a high level of passion in front of as many people as possible? Yeah, and I think that's really important to, to inspire the people who are going to be coming far after who you're initially looking for. You know, you hear stories of kids all the time and they, you know, fell in love with a certain career because of some formative moment that happened in their, mm -hmm. in their childhood. So I think that uh, all of you being able to go out and, you know, even do stuff in like a park in front of these, these young, impressionable, you know, excited, like that's the kind of person that you you want anyways for the industry you want somebody who's excited you want somebody who you know enjoys it and you know starting off young doesn't necessarily hit all the risk of the immediate now worries right. but you know you're also doing the stuff where you're going to high school career fairs and doing all that kind of stuff so mm -hmm. i mean just you know first off that's just amazing that the company and you are able to devote so much time to to that kind of stuff. And even um, the, the camp aspect of it, I think is just really cool too, at the same time, right? Because I feel like that yeah. can change uh, a lot of people's trajectories with just one simple thing. And I kind of want to mm -hmm. bring up two, and maybe, you know, you don't have the answer for every company, but how can other companies be better at expanding their reach into, let's call it unique workforce uh, recruitment and development, right? Because everybody can post a job on Indeed. You can keep trying to get employees day after day. You can show up to different career fairs and job fairs and stuff like that. But how do you separate yourself and your company's mission and goal um, from just being a, another company lost in the shuffle? Yeah, I, I mean, passion is the word that immediately comes to, to mind. Like if, like if I had to like kind of use one word to I guess, describe the people that I, uh, I get to show up and put a red shirt on with every, every single day, like passion would be that like, it's, they're highly passionate about the work that they do. It's, it's almost like everybody's like Rochambeau and rock, paper, scissors for climbs every day. Uh, even all the way up into the leadership level, like we're just very passionate about like what it is we each individually do to allow for the company to to grow which as the company grows that also means like we all grow 
So for other companies, I mean, I, I, like I'd encourage other companies to kind of find out like what it is that that makes you tick. Uh, like we we implemented, I know TCIA is doing the same thing going through traction, uh, but it's the entrepreneurial operating system. Uh, it's been a, a really powerful way to kind of help organize, right? Because like Arborist, like at the end of the day, and it says that like I recruited in video too, I lead it off with like, you know, essentially we make big sticks and the small sticks, you know, like that's kind of like, we're all kind of scatterbrained in, in more ways than one. Some of us are like way more data driven. Other of us, others of us want to, you know, just go, you know, just go have fun. Right. So traction kind of helped us as a company or very much helped us as a company, like organize our thoughts and give us a, a direction. So that way, once we identified that direction, then it kind of made things a lot more clear. So like our core values, um, drive respect and loyalty, right? This driven in the pursuit of personal and professional development, respect for one another, the Richmond community, and just in general, having a healthy level of respect for just humans and nature. Uh, and then loyal to loyal to the, uh, the mission of establishing the best workplace in agriculture uh, to set a new standard for risk management. It's simple, right? Drive respect and loyalty, right? You don't have to get crazy with identifying what, what your kind of, your, your focal point is as a company. But I feel like once you have that focal point dialed as a company, like it, it offers a level of clarity to where then when you go and interact with anybody, Give your elevator pitch to anyone. It'll just flow organically. And that's the thing of like, I've, I think we can all like recognize when we're interacting with someone that is basically kind of just going through the motions, right? They're like rehearsing this script of things that they, they feel like they have to say, whether it's about their employer, whether, you know, whether it's about anything, like they mm -hmm. just are saying this thing that they feel like they have to say, whereas you can, you can definitely tell when you're interacting with someone who like is like all in to whatever it is you watch athletes getting interviewed on tv right you can tell the ones that are like probably going to retire soon versus the ones that are just so dialed you know and i feel like that's the same thing that's the same thing with us in a lot of ways it's like even this conversation is largely just been like kind of almost me vomiting this this uh kind of ethos that we have as, as a company of just, like, just be good. So other companies as you're, as they're trying to like figure out what it is that they can do to not be lost in the shuffle, I feel like is to, to learn yourself, like really know who you are, because once you know who you are, then you know how to then talk about that and then try to inspire other people to come join you in whatever it is you're doing. It doesn't matter if it's tree work or working on cars or, making computers, whatever it is, like if, if you're passionate about it and you can share that passion with other people, other people are going to join you. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, no. And I appreciate your passion. You know, you bring your passion to, to this episode of the podcast. It's, it is important, right? It's important to, to show that you, you're passionate about what you do and what you believe in and that it works for you and the company, right? You know, it, at the end of the day, your company may not work for everybody, but like you're saying, if you're passionate about something, you're going to find your place eventually. Mm -hmm. yep. And just because we're coming up on the end of our time together, I just want to open it up to you. Is there anything that you want to talk about that we haven't had a chance to yet? 
No, I mean, um, I'm a, I mean, I've alluded to it a few times uh, in like competition. Like I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of people participating in competitions, especially if you're already inside the industry. Uh, it's a great way to just network. A lot of people in my experience don't enter into this world because the, into the competition world for a myriad of reasons, but a lot of times they're just really nervous. Uh, you know, I hear a lot that people just, you know, oh, I'll go compete when I'm the best that I possibly can be. So that way I can really like see how I stack up. And that's not what it's about. What the competitions are about is, is really spending time with other arborists uh, that building that camaraderie, learning new skills, uh, you know, and there's a great networking aspect to that. Uh, I've, you know, I've got friends all across the globe that I never would have met without tree climbing competitions, right? There, there are things I know how to do in trees specifically because I've met people that have pushed me in certain ways in competition that then has opened up, you know, all sorts of different doors, uh, being able to do trainings in cool places with really cool people and really cool trees. Um, so anytime I've like, I'm talking with people, I, I, I try to always incorporate that in some, some way, shape or form, whether you compete or whether you volunteer, even if you go and spectate, like, uh, go participate in, in some way, shape or form, because it's, I know how transformative it's been in my own career. And I've watched how transformative it's been with other people in their own careers. Um, so it's a great thing about all these competitions. They're happening more and more. When I started in the industry, there weren't nearly as many as there are now. And the pandemic shut it down for a little while, but it's all, all back in full swing. So it's, it's really cool. You know, it's, it's also a neat thing to, to say about our industry and in that like it, it further exposes how weird we are in a way of like we go climb trees all week and then we want to go climb trees more on the weekend and i don't know of a whole lot of people that are in different uh industries that are like yes i've been doing my job all week and i can't wait to do it some more on the weekend uh whereas yeah whereas our arbor arborists are like oh did somebody say recline we're gonna go recline yeah let's go recline yeah or like there's a compact then where Oh, it's out in Hawaii? Heck yeah, let's go to Hawaii and climb some trees and like play around out there. Right? It's it's it just speaks again to kind of like how we started this whole conversation of like you don't find the trees, the trees find you and they pull you in and and you're just completely captivated by it. Um, you know, it 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 just scratches this, it scratches this itch that other other things I don't feel like have, at least in my own life of you get a healthy level of adventure, problem solving, mathematics, uh, you know, applied sciences. It's it, it's the total package, uh, and we get to take in the best views, arguably, of anywhere. Uh, we get a perspective on our surrounding area and life that you just can't, at least in my own experience, uh, in any other way.